So let's continue to worship as we give our attention and our focus and our commitment to obedience to God's word. It's a privilege to do that. And so we continue today in our series on identity. Five messages looking at our identity in Christ and what it means to live out of a full understanding of who we are in God's perspective. And we began last Sunday by talking about identity defined by God or by culture. Very, very important message in our day. If you missed it, I encourage you to go and listen to last Sunday's message. Today, identity marked. Since we're talking about heaven, and you'll understand in, in, in a while, or as we get into the message, but we're talking about heaven today. It's perfect time to tell one of those cheesy St. Peter at the pearly gates joke, I, I thought. You don't sound too excited, actually, so I don't know if I'll... Oh, yeah, okay, I'll do it. Thanks, Sarah. Thoughts of heaven may bring ideas of uh, results being rewarded. A pastor dies, and he's in line at the pearly gates of heaven. And, and in front of him is, is a guy with sunglasses, leather jacket, jeans, looking real cool. St. Peter says, name, so that he could look at his list and decide whether or not he could be admitted into heaven. The guy replies, well, I'm Joe, taxi driver from New York City. That was a really bad accent. St. <laughs> Peter looks at his list and says to the taxi driver, oh, take your silk robe. <laughs> Makes you want to go there, doesn't it? Take your silk robe and your golden staff and enter heaven. Taxi driver's excited, of course, and spinning his gold staff, however you do that, you know. With glee, he's entering heaven. And then it's the pastor's turn. He steps up and says, I'm Reverend Smith, pastor of Neighborhood Church for 43 years. St. Peter looks at his list, says to the pastor, yep, okay, take your cotton robe and your wooden staff and enter heaven. The pastor goes, hey, what's up with that? That guy... Ahead of me, taxi driver, got a silk robe and a golden staff. Peter says, up here, we work by results. When you preached, people slept. When he drove, people prayed. <laughs> Somebody beat me to the punchline over there. Identity... Marked. The book entitled Identity Theft asks these questions. Am I, or, or who am I? Am I my job? Am I my kids and how well they behave? Am I my marital status? Am I my social media popularity? Other questions may resonate with you. Am I my intellectual ability? Am I worth something if my kids turn out? Am I the number on the weigh scale? Am I my athletic ability? Hmm. I love to water ski. But my identity cannot be contingent even on what I love to do. Right? Well, if that were the case, I'd be in trouble. Because from water skiing, I've had a broken ankle, a second-degree hamstring tear, 
I've slammed my head on the water numerous times, so hard and fast, barefoot skiing, that you don't have time to shut your eyes. That hurts at 35 miles an hour. And some of you now sit there and you're wondering about the stability and sanity of your pastor, aren't you? Well, it all started when I was about 11 or 12 years old. I was in my friend's boat with his family at Shushwap Lake, and my friend's uncle was, uh, was, was a very good slalom skier, uh, even though I remember that he was quite old, probably 30 years old at the time. And um, I was in awe as he flew back and forth across the wake, leaning hard, only one hand gripping the handle as he carved the turns. At the end of the big loop and fairly long run, he signaled home where there was a long dock that ran parallel to the beach, a T-dock, and this long part of it was, was parallel to the beach. And as the boat approached fast, he, he cut across that wake, flying up alongside the dock. He got to his desired landing point and leaned way back hard, slowed down quickly, turned his hips and sat down in relaxed posture with a big smile on his face. That was awesome. And it was my turn next. Two skis at the time. I enjoyed my beginner level run and then signaled home as we, from a distance, approached the dock. As we approached closer, I pulled across, I pulled on the, on the rope, two hands on the, on the handle, and, and moved across the wake at a decent rate of speed for a rookie turned slightly to come alongside the dock. Again, gripping the handle, both, both hands, I approached the target alongside the dock. And without any deceleration, turned my hips and attempted to sit down. I remember it still. I never studied physics in school. I was too chicken. But in that moment, I understood this thing they call momentum. And I tumbled and rolled hard all the way to the end of that dock, landing with a huge splash in the water, sinking under the water, partly due to momentum and partly due to embarrassment because I worked my way down and wanted to stay there. People in the boat were watching. I remember vividly seeing some, some people on the dock as I approached, and I knew they were just probably... In that moment, I felt a part of my identity was tied to my lack of ability. Silly illustration, but point to ponder for all of us. Sadly, we sometimes tie our identity, our sense of identity, to how well or how poorly we do something. The video we showed last Sunday to, to launch into this series introduced uh, these comments, shared these comments. Our identity is not determined by what we do. It's not determined by what we've achieved. Our identity is not defined by the things we've done right or the things we've done wrong. Nor is our identity defined by what other people think of us. And then that narr the narrator in that video uh, ended this. He says uh, this way. He said, if I listen to who God says I am. Instead, if I listen to who God says I am and embrace his identity in my life, I'll find the freedom to live out of all or to live out all he has planned for me. It's life-changing. 
if we'll, if we'll understand that fully. The biblical thought we're focusing on here is marked for heaven. To be marked for heaven simply means that you're prepared to be received into heaven for eternity. Not by St. Peter, but by God himself. And so, the simple question is, are you? Are you marked for heaven? And if you know for sure that you are by trusting in Christ, then, and you'll hear that a time or two in this message, uh, then how is that shaping how you live now? And we're not going down that path too far, but that's a whole other message. Spend time in God's Word, and you'll discover what that actually means. Our biblical foundation for this message is Ephesians 1, 13 to 14. And you'll hear probably a little more from this passage and chapter at some point in this series. You can remain seated, but I want you to read these two verses out loud with me. Let's read together. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The word redemption, not a word we use a lot. Verse 14, just as a side note, is a word that refers to the believer's ultimate and final release from this world to experience the joy in the next heaven. Redemption means, it, just, it means that there was a price paid, and that price was the life and blood of Jesus Christ. Redemption. And that full redemption being referred to here is that time when either by the coming of Christ or by our own passing that we enter heaven. Redemption will be fully realized. Notice in verse 13 of the passage we just read, it's only when we, it's only when we make the choice to believe that we are marked for heaven. And to believe, listen, this is very important. And many of you know this. But believe is, is not merely giving mental assent to points of truth. In other words, it's not merely saying, yeah, I believe there's a God. That, that's, not, that's not belief in, in the way that the, the Bible speaks of it and the way that's required to know God personally and to know you're marked for heaven. Believing means Surrendering my, my, my heart, my life, my, my everything to God, that He alone can save me, can, can free me from myself and, and my sin and my past, and give me a future and a hope both now and forever. Believing, trusting in Jesus to do that. It's believing, as is the word is used here. In, in believing, again, we're, we're asking Jesus to, to forgive our sin, to lead our life. We turn from our sin, from our old way of living, and express faith and confidence, full confidence, not in our good works, not in us doing better, but in what the Bible calls a gift of God, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. It, a gift from God. You can't work for a gift. 
It's no longer a gift if you had to work. And that's what being marked for heaven is all about. And so God identifies us as, as his own by this, by, by this mark, identity marked. They're mine. They're my child. You, you. He speaks that to, to, to most here this morning, if not all. You're marked. You're my own, God says. By, by giving us, in that moment of true belief, giving us the Holy Spirit. And from that point on, again, we're marked as his loving possession. Not possession in a connotation that we might think of it. And, and all. No, what did that mean? I have no idea, but no time to talk about it. Uh, but to be the loving possession, to belong to the creator of the universe. That's a beautiful thing. That's, a, that's an awesome thing. And that has a lot of life ramifications. The writer of the letter called Ephesians, uh, Paul was his name, was a, many of you know, a Jewish religious leader, but a persecutor of Christianity until he himself met Jesus and became a passionate Jesus follower and the world's greatest missionary probably. He highlighted this same truth to a group of Christians um, it's biblically called a, a church, a local church, in the city of Corinth. His second letter to that body, 2 Corinthians 1, 22, that God has identified us, those who have made the choice to truly believe. God has identified us, here it is again, I just, for emphasis, as his own. Doesn't that feel good? If you know Christ, you, you, you belong. You belong to the God who created everything you see and, and everything we can't see. God has identified us as his own. By placing, how does he show it? How does he prove it? By placing the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. And that's a discussion. You can buy me coffee sometime. We'll talk about that. Placing the Holy Spirit in our lives, in our hearts, as, as the first installment that guarantees everything that he has promised. Our, our hearts, what is that? It's just really the, the word that talks about the core of our being, that part of us that connects with God. The words of, from Ephesians that we read earlier really concisely outline uh, the way of eternal salvation. And so we better look at it carefully. The word marked indicates security, security is a good thing. Security about something so very important that we belong to God and that, that we are eternally His as a result of our trust in Jesus. And then again, in that moment, we are marked. My identity is that I am um, a marked, I, I'm a marked person. I belong to God and I am truly His child. Not in some generic sense that we're all God's children and in the sense that we're all created by God, yes. But, but this is different. To be truly a child of God. So, then we're prepared for eternity. Eternity. It's a long time. So what, what about this idea of, of being prepared? We can liken it to different things in life. Well, I, I had a dream, actually, a few days ago. And it was so real, I woke, up, I woke up stressed, actually, for a moment. In my dream, 
I was planning to go on this big hike with a family, and I didn't know who they, this family was, didn't recognize them, mom and dad, a couple of kids, and for some reason we were all in this big house together, and, and I, I knew that I wanted to go on this hike, I knew it was happening soon, but I had not prepared at all, and, and, and suddenly in my dream, it, it was time to go. Well, I'm kind of freaking out. The others had their backpacks packed, and I remember them walking down this long hallway out the back door of this house we were in, and so instantly I'm in, I'm in panic mode, and I've got to get my stuff together. I don't want to keep them waiting. I don't like that idea, and I, and I certainly don't want to miss out on, on this hike. Sounds like I'm a big hiker, doesn't it? I mean, I enjoy it, but I, I haven't done it a lot, but, but this was the case, and I was, I was stressed, and so I'm running around this house trying to pull my stuff together. I can't find my hiking boots that they told me I needed. I can't find the right jacket that I want, and so what do I do? Come on, guys. Miriam, where's my stuff? She's never heard that before. That's what I did in my dream, literally. I don't know if I told you that. Well, in my rush, I'm, I'm well aware that the others are waiting outside. And, and you have to realize, this, this is being late and unprepared is not me. Keeping people waiting, all that stuff, is not me in regular life. And so this, this really is stressing me out in my dream. And I, it's weird, hey? You feel that, right? I mean, so great night's sleep. It's beautiful. Finally, I, I, I head out of the house, ready to go. I got my stuff together, but I don't see the family. And I panic right away. And a moment later, I notice that they're, uh, that they're in their Jeep uh, waiting for me, true hikers. And so I throw my stuff in the back and I hop in the back seat and we pull away down the road. And, and very soon after we do, I see a bee or a wasp by the nose of the lady in the front seat. Stop! I literally, in my dream, I'm not, I'm not lying. Stop! I forgot my EpiPen! I was unprepared, and I literally have an EpiPen. It's kind of, it's kind of a weird story, but it, I woke up, and this is just a few days ago. I woke up, and right away, I thought of this message. So I said, oh, thanks, God, for that illustration. Being unprepared is not a good thing. And again, a silly illustration, but, but there's other serious things in life that we found ourselves unprepared for, and the outcomes are not good because of our unpreparedness. For whatever reason... Or excuse for which we're not prepared. We, we, we can't afford to, to be unprepared for eternity. But the great thing is that that preparedness is not on me, on, on what I do, except to express faith and confidence in the gift that Jesus cross is gone right now, but there's usually a cross there. In the gift that Jesus gave of his life on the cross and his resurrection. Isn't that great? Preparation is, is pretty easy, actually. Oh, I don't mean to downplay the challenge of full surrender. Of, of course, but you know what I'm saying. Being marked, being marked for heaven, being prepared for heaven is a serious and, and obviously an eternal matter. Be, because if, if there's a heaven, there's also a hell. And I believe in both. And both are biblical. I believe it to the core of my being. Serious stuff. And we can try to minimize or diminish or negate or unravel the idea that is clear in the New Testament of hell. Maybe out of a motive of love for people. It can be all the loving you want, but if you don't give truth, there's not much left in the end. 
Some people make attempts to prepare for heaven. Some try to talk themselves into believing that they'll be let in. Right? We've all heard it probably in conversations with, with oh, I'm, I'm no murderer. Good. That's not the point. Or some people uh, may make the case that they are, uh, or that they're, they're going to be ex- accepted into heaven because of stuff they do. And they've, they've accumulated this, uh, this resume of, of, of good deeds. Again, good, good. It's a very common thought, but, is it, but it's, not, it's not biblical. It's not, it's not how the Bible tells us that we are marked for heaven. Some people talk themselves into believing that, again, heaven doesn't exist. There, took care of that. I'll be good now. No. My friends, there's a better way to be prepared for heaven and for eternity, and it's something to take very seriously because, again, eternity, isn't it? It's a very, very long time. Doing good works to honor God and point people to Jesus is a very biblical thing. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying, but good works are not enough. Good, no matter how many good works we may be able to do are not enough to take care of the insurmountable problem. And there's a caveat with that word insurmountable. If it's up to me and you, it's insurmountable. But Jesus took care of it by surrendering his life and taking on himself the penalty for sin, which was death. And I then, you, uh, all of us have the opportunity to appropriate that to our life, to apply that to my life or your life, that, that gift of Jesus' life and death and resurrection. And then we're marked for heaven in that moment of belief and trust. And the Holy Spirit enters my heart in that moment. It's a very supernatural thing. And hard to explain. But it's so clear in the scripture. So being marked, identity marked, means three things. Very briefly. And you're freaking out right now. That was his introduction. These are, these are, these are brief. Identity marked means that I, as a Christ follower, first of all, am a citizen of heaven. Citizenship. There's a lot of discussion about citizenship these days, isn't there? When I'm marked for heaven by trusting in Christ, I am a, I not will be, I am already. I've got my citizenship. I'm a citizen of heaven. Eric Clapton wrote a sad song many years ago about the death of his son who fell. I think it was a four-year-old boy that fell from 53rd story window. And you've probably heard the song about that painful experience of him losing his son. Some of the lyrics, they go like this, "Would, would you know my name if I saw you in heaven? Would it be the same if I saw you in heaven? I must be strong and carry on because I know, he says, I know I don't belong here in heaven. There are probably many people that that resonates with or that they can understand that this and anticipating a, a feeling of, of not belonging 
if I were to be in heaven. Sad, sad. God doesn't want it that way. He wants us to know that there is a place that we can now call our home. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that this world is, is, not, is not our home. We're here for a while. We're pilgrims, as it says, passing through. I'm a citizen, as a Christ follower of heaven. Philippians 3.20, to Christians, Paul wrote, Our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have an eternal home that awaits us. That's cool. The Bible says a lot about heaven, even describing it, but I don't think we can begin to our, the best imagination. I, I, just, I just believe that the best imagination can't even begin to comprehend what heaven is going to be like. In 2016, IKEA surveyed 12,000 people in 12 global cities asking the question, what makes a home a home? And and the answers, uh, despite significant demographic and geographic differences, were strikingly similar. Comfort, safety, belonging, love. That's why, you, that's why you feel the warm and fuzzies when you go into Ikea. <laughs> Either that or you re, you're just repelled by that place. Man, they're so they're control freaks. They make you walk. With, like, where's the shortcut I, every time? And I get lost. Anyway, that's another story. Home. Home. Is, home is the persistent longing of the human heart to, to, to be home. And, and that brings different pictures different people. Some, sometimes, sadly, not good pictures. And again, that's, of course, not God's intent either or desire. Home is the persistent longing of the human heart, and we're all driven to find a place like that. And as Christians, we are called to live now in light of the reality of our heavenly citizenship. So it affects my approach to relationships. It, it affects my, how, I, how I fill my calendar. It affects how I use my money. It affects how I treat people that mistreat me. I mean, it's hard stuff. I'm still working on it. Some of you know me well enough to know that. It means we live this life as sons and daughters of God, though. The God of the universe. And, and living as a citizen of heaven, again, shapes how we view and approach everything. And reminds us that we've, we've found, we've already found, we're, we're not there yet, but we've found a home and an eternal sense of belonging by being marked. My identity in Christ is that I am, I am marked by the Holy Spirit who lives in me by virtue of my trust in Jesus and what he did on the cross. Are you? Are you marked? I, I, I hope so. I hope so. And then identity marked means that I have a future hope. That we have, we have something phenomenal to look forward to, especially in light of the many challenges and difficulties we face in this life. That, that at times, and I see it, that, that at times are, are unrelenting for some people. That's again a whole other message, but, but God gives Paul words to write 
for our benefit that give perspective, again, out of the second letter to the Corinthian Christians. He says, under God's direction, that is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day, for our present troubles are small. Really, Paul? Yeah. In light of heaven? Yeah. Our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't, Paul says, we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. Yes. But the things we cannot see will last forever. And they're good things. If you're marked. Are you marked? By the Holy Spirit living in you? By your choice to trust Christ? Are you marked? If you are, you've got a hope. That hope grows faint, faint, faint sometimes in this life. Broken world we live in. Sin-marred world we live in. There's a hope there. Cultivate it. Cultivate it by pondering some of these awesome scriptures. God intends those words from 2 Corinthians 4 and the truth, that truth there to be, to be hope-giving for you. And some of you need to receive that today. You know Christ, but you need to receive this word of there's hope. Thoughts like that of an eternity in heaven are not intended to, to cause us to, you know, disconnect from this life and not care about this life because we got heaven coming. No, that's, that's, that's where you get the phrase, you know, so heavenly minded, no earthly good. That, that's, that's not the deal. That's not, that's not God's desire. But rather to give us strength to, to engage life with vigor and, 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 and excitement and, and joy and peace, even with all of its challenge. And that's a challenge sometimes. But really, it, it, it's what it means to live out of trusting God step by step. So, identity marked means I'm a citizen, means I have future hope. Also means I have assurance. I love that word. Assurance of absolute assurance of an eternity in God's loving presence. You ever wonder? You ever doubt? Probably all of us at times do. But based on God's truth, there's no need to doubt that I can have, if I've trusted Christ as the forgiver of my sin and the leader of my life, I have assurance of eternity with him. Former NBA basketball star, uh, Allen Iverson, after a friend of his was murdered, was reflecting on the afterlife and, and was quoted in a Philadelphia publication. He said this, I, I want to go to heaven. I don't want to have to guess. I want to know that's where I'm going. And I have no idea about his background, or, 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 but significant words. My, my friends, we can know. We can. 1 John chapter 5, and we know. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an, an understanding. That we may know him who is true. And the word know, again, we touched on this a few weeks ago, is not just an intellectual ascent to truth. It's a knowledge that is relational and deep and intimate. Relational eternity. Eternal, eternally relational. 
that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. We can know. And, and again, probably most of us in this room, we, we know it. We know it. Not in an arrogant way. To some, that might sound presumptuous or arrogant. It's not. It's not. If I'm depending on my own works, yes, but I'm not. I know I can't do it on my own. Jesus did it all. So now I trust and I am what? Marked. Marked. And I have assurance. Absolute assurance. Don't have to doubt it whatsoever. As I close this morning, I remind you, please hear God's truth. Please hear God's truth today and, and throughout this series. We, we, are, we are not defined by our education, as good as education is. We're not defined by our social status or how much we make. We're not defined by our, our marital or single status. We're not defined by perceived success or failure in life, nor by where we live or, or, or by the vehicle we drive, nor even how we may finish a water ski run. We're not defined. We're not defined by those things. We're defined by who God says we are. It's our identity in Christ and having the Holy Spirit residing in us as Christ followers. Again, at our invitation, it's that that shapes every aspect of our life and makes us ready for, for life after this one. On the other side of this one, marked for eternity. What a great thing. And that is the most important decision that you will make in this life is, is what you do with God's invitation to allow him to, to, to mark you or not through trusting in Jesus. And so I ask, what have you done with, with, with God's invitation to enter into an, an eternal, a personal relationship with him? What have you done with that invitation? Have you, have you ignored it? Have you Outright rejected it, maybe? Have you hmm, never, never really heard that? Could be the case. Well, you've heard it today. And what you do with that invitation will determine where you spend eternity. Like is the case for all of us. You, again, can't work your way to heaven. You can't buy your way to heaven. You can't plead your way there. You simply tell God that you're sorry for your sin. Believe that Jesus' death for the penalty, to pay the penalty of sin, is enough for you. And it is. And that his resurrection proves that he can deliver and give you everything like this that he promises. It's an expression. That's all it is. It's a prayer. It's talking to God and saying, that's, that's what I want. I want you. I want you. So I'm going to give you that opportunity this morning and ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And again, it's not about these words. And, and Brennan, you can come at this time. It's not about these words. But if you will pray this prayer in your, in your heart silently, God will hear you and you will become his child. You will be in this moment marked for heaven. Praying, Heavenly Father, I thank you for showing me your incredible love through sending your son Jesus. 
I thank you. Jesus, that you gave your life for me. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want to I be connected to the vine that brings life, even as Chelsea said in the baptism tank. I want that for my life now and for my eternity. Come into my life. I trust you to forgive my sin and to lead my life. In Jesus' name. Heads, remain bowed, please. You prayed that prayer. I'd, I'd love to know. Not to single you out, but to encourage you and to continue to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer, raise your hand and look my direction. I'll give you that opportunity right now. Thank you. It's awesome. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Awesome. So great. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. God, I thank you for these individuals. That have heard from your, not from me, but have heard from your word, a message of life. We thank you for that. May they grow in this new relationship with you. May they connect with a church that teaches this truth. May they know from this day on, beyond shadow of a doubt, that they are marked for heaven. And for those of us who are Christians in this place today. May we begin to live even more intentionally with that future in mind, that keen awareness of our eternal future that will shape how we live now. Thank you for giving us the strength to do that. In Jesus' name.